My number one album. Big shocker to me. Also folklore. Whoa. Are you ready to dive into all things Taylor Swift? Good for a Weekend is the ultimate podcast for any Swiftie. With new episodes dropping bi-monthly, as well as bonus episodes to give you real-time reactions to the latest rumors and news, it's your one-stop shop for all things T-Swift. We also love connecting with our fellow Weekenders, so be sure to connect with us on Instagram, Twitter, and or Discord to share all your Taylor thoughts. Good for a Weekend is available wherever you get your podcasts. I know. Folklore just is that like it's a perfect album consequence podcast network Orahey Army and fellow music fans, I'm Kayla. And I'm Bethany, and we're the hosts of Standing BTS from the Consequence Podcast Network. We're a bi-weekly show that covers the impact and legacy of K-pop group BTS. We mix the perfect blend of research and fangirl as we take a deep dive into lyrics during album reviews, theorize over music videos, and keep up with their current events. No BTS topic is off-limits. We welcome everyone into the conversation, whether you're a casual fan, committed ARMY, or someone who's just curious about one of the biggest music groups in the world. Come chat with us every other Thursday with a new episode wherever podcasts are found. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, and welcome to The Spark Parade, where I geek out with artists and entertainers about their cultural spark of inspiration I'm Adam Unz, at Spark Parade on all social media. Thanks so much for joining me. Uh, It's been a minute, and I promised that I was cooking up something big, and I was. So the big news is I've joined the Consequence Podcast Network. Yay! I host a music history podcast called The Opus for Consequence, and you should check that out because it's good if I do say so myself. I've had so much fun working with the Consequence crew, and this just seemed like a natural next step for the Spark Parade. It is super exciting. We've got tons of great stuff in store for you, and I cannot wait for you to hear it. So I'm not going to wait. I'm going to get the party started immediately. Let's kick off the new and improved Spark Parade with an amazing guest, shall we? Today, I am joined by legendary DJ Kid Koala for an incredible chat about his spark, Peter Jackson's third film, the notoriously gory Splatterfest Dead Alive, aka Braindead. The two of us had so much fun talking about our favorite parts of the movie, going over Peter Jackson's career on the whole, and just laughing and hanging out. This one is an utter delight. Uh, Quick disclaimer before we get this show on the road. There are spoilers aplenty in this conversation, so if you haven't seen Dead Alive, frankly, you have had nearly 35 years, so I'm not going to apologize. But I am giving you fair warning, okay? 
And now, quick Kid Koala facts. Eric San, known professionally as Kid Koala, is a Canadian scratch DJ, composer, theater producer, and visual artist. His career began as a scratch DJ in 1994, rapidly growing a cult fan base due to his virtuosic skills. Ever innovating, he quickly evolved into combining turntables with analog machines and visual storytelling devices to create his signature style. He jumps effortlessly between genres as eclectic as hip-hop, ambient, alternative, contemporary classical, blues, classic rock, and traditional jazz. He's released five solo albums on Ninja Tune and three albums on Arts and Crafts Records. His brand spanking new album, Creatures of the Late Afternoon, was released on April 14th, 2023, which means it is available for your listening pleasure right now. Quick Dead Alive facts. Dead Alive, or Brain Dead as it was known everywhere else on Earth outside of North America, is the third film by director Peter Jackson. The plot follows Lionel, a young man living in South Wellington, New Zealand, with his strict mother Vera. After Lionel becomes romantically entangled with a girl named Paquita, Vera is bitten by a hybrid rat-monkey creature, of course, and begins to transform into a zombie, while also infecting swaths of the city's populace. Made on a budget of $3 million, Dead Alive was Peter Jackson's most expensive film up to that point. Although it received positive reviews from critics, it was a box office bomb. It has since received a cult following and is now widely regarded as one of the goriest films of all time. And trust me when I say, that is correct. And there you have it. Now uh, that you're armed with all of that background information, let's forge ahead on our exciting journey together. Here comes my chat with Kid Koala about Dead Alive. The jumping off point is always kind of your origin story with um, what we're talking about. So do you remember seeing uh, Dead Alive for the first time or getting turned on to it? Right. I was actually, there's this artist loft sort of space in Montreal where we were storing some of our band equipment. And while I was going through the artist loft, someone was watching it dead alive on a TV <laughs> just <laughs> in the corner. And it just caught my attention because I said, oh, what is this, an animated film? What is what is going on here? I didn't really understand. But it was an immediate fascination. It was quite early in the film. It was a stop motion animated rat monkey. Mm-hmm. And, and it was very kind of lo-fi and odd, but it was set in the real world quote. So that immediately caught my attention. I said, what, what are you watching? I've never never seen anything like that or that juxtaposition of that in, in quite that way. It was just very bizarre. And, uh, and then I just sat down and watched the rest of the film. <laughs> Like, and it immediately became one of my favorite films ever. Right. And that, like, the rat monkey is the tip of the iceberg. And, like, you see that and it's like, what is this? Yeah. It just gets crazier from there. And the whole rest of it, it's like, still, even whatever, 35 years later, I don't think there's anything quite like it. Exactly. I don't even think Peter Jackson's done anything like it. For sure. He kind of just opened and closed its, his own universe there. Yes. <laughs> uh, I don't no. know. I don't know much about the process of making that film, but I heard this was his second film, maybe. I think it was his, his third. Third? Okay. And I heard it was still, you know, 
kind of on the budget side, but how creatively they got around some of those to create such spectacular practical effects. Totally. I'm still blown away by that. It's also very funny because of that, you know, and it just sort of embraced that low five vibe in some scenes and other scenes. I'm still wondering how did they pull that off? It's really, really insane. But I heard, and don't quote me here, but I had heard through the grapevine, if you will, that he would travel to various butcher shops or something in, in Wellington. I don't even know what, you know, I should know better seeing as it's a film I've seen so many times, but he would go early in the morning to butcher shops and they would just give him whatever they had like leftover and he would tape them to the actor's mm-hmm. suits or something like that. And then so they're pulling out the guts. It was actual guts. I don't know if this yeah. is true. Yeah. I mean, don't, I, I hope I'm not just spreading like more <laughs> mythology about it, but you know, I was just imagining how how awful that set must have smelt. I know. <laughs> but you're right. It just keeps getting, you know, it's one of those films where five minutes in, you're like, wow, I've never seen a film like this. And then 10 minutes in, like, wow, I've never seen a film like this. And you're just kind of constantly doing that every five minutes. You can check in and say, I didn't know a film could do this or a, this could be a movie you know and and so it was just constant paradigm shifting moment after paradigm shifting moment as as an audience member i think that's what i love about that film yeah and it feels like it's it's almost like in a competition with itself to see if it can outdo the last disgusting thing and it does and it does it keeps, yeah, uh. <laughs> and it does it's just so un just unabashedly Epic, like you said, doubling down, tripling down, could you point? <laughs> you couldn't guess it. You yeah. couldn't, you know, even if you you've seen a lot of zombie movies or whatever, you just wouldn't be able to predict what happens in, in Dead Alive. It was it's, it's like a masterpiece. Yeah. Yeah. Also just like thinking about, you know, the practicalities of the blood and guts. And I know it was like however many hundreds of gallons of fake blood that they used because mm. there's so much. And when I was watching it in preparation for this. Had you not seen it before? I saw it a long time ago. A long time yeah, ago. Okay, yeah, right. You know, like, yeah. um, you know, at least 10, 15 years. Um, yeah, yeah. But seeing, like, especially the lead actor getting, like, yeah. fake blood in his mouth. The, you know, Ooh. the scene with the lawnmower. It's just, like, going everywhere in his <laughs> eyes. And then after that, he's kissing the, uh, like, love interest. And they're both just, like, covered in gore, kind of making out. It's just like, oh, my God, the things these it people is the went through to make bizarre this. Thing. Yeah, it's such a campy, like, the gore is done so pitch perfect to me for the whole vibe and comedy side of the film. I find it just very, very funny how all the characters are just really blown out. Just They take it to the limit, you know. Uh, Lionel's mom and and the preacher and everybody you know mm-hmm. it's just sort of like a cartoon version of those characters and they pull it off you know yeah. and then and somehow it all fits together to me you know yeah <laughs> yeah yeah it's that same kind of balance like uh Sam Raimi's early movies yes. and even some of the later ones like Drag Me to Hell having that balance between gross horror 
and comedy that's like the just strikes the perfect tone, the, the perfect balance. I love it. Like the ill moments, like the soup and the ear. Oh, oh <laughs> the worst. And the pus going you into the costumes. They're yeah. like, what am I watching right now? This is insane. But yeah, just just quite the ride, you know? It's quite mm-hmm. the adventure to just be be taken on as a film, you know, goer or something. So I love the music. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, it took me a few views before I actually started studying like how musically it, it operates and it's great. <laughs> it's, it's some of the crazy piano runs and all the all the you know punctuations that, that happen in the in the score. Just I don't know. It's it's one of those things where I felt like, oh I guess I'm not gonna understand where this came from until I I moved to New Zealand and hang out there for a while or something because something's going on there in the water. It's like right made this film (laughs) yeah yeah and the weirdest part to me as well is that like what happened to peter jackson next because his next movie was heavenly creatures which is like uh, right that's right you know serious kate winslet and melanie linsky like playing teenage killers and it's a true story Mm -hmm. and the tone is like the opposite and he never really came back to this stuff it's all been like increasingly more uh, serious and, you know, wanting to like get uh, applause and, and, you know, be uh, considered a master of the craft. Oh, you mean like when he, when he went to Lord of the Rings and all this stuff? Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, these are, these are great movies that are a completely different thing, but to go from the first few movies being like, I don't know what you want to call it. uh, Sploosh core, (laughs) you know, like, well, it's it's one of those things where you know I could tell I could tell well, I could tell all of his stuff is made with a lot of love and dedication. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a huge fan yeah. of his work, even even most recently of the Get Back, right? You know, mm-hmm. and how he went through all this, you know, whatever days of footage and recorded material and and, and pieced it together to still tell the story and give you a feeling of, of what it might have been like to be there i was very compelled by that whole thing it it made me even more of a beatles fan you know what i mean so i kind of thought that was interesting because it's it's almost like yeah trying to make tracks out of little Mm -hmm. disparate pieces just trying to string it together tell stories but you have audio from this part and you have video from this part and it kind of matches sometimes and and sometimes the odd juxtaposition of is actually what makes it work you know Mm -hmm. but i mean there's a through line to how he even put that together i i i was Therefore, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and so I don't know, I think with Dead Alive, especially I kind of feel that same thing. I could see some of the influences and the stuff he was into and that he was just making it all collide in this one film. It's sort of a, a wonderful thing to witness because it seemed very free, mm-hmm. you know, just free of precedent and also um, expectation of whether there was an even an audience for this it was just really it seemed like everything was just made for that film like it had to end up on the screen and it, all those choices were very peter jackson to mm-hmm. when i was introduced to the film yeah i guess it just depends on what your next challenge is which is clearly he, he doesn't shy away from a challenge at all and i think he proves his undead alive like very right. well yeah yeah and i guess it is like the through line i, I don't just to sort of clear, I don't mean to shit on our friend Pete. Like, I think he is 
a master of his craft. And it's like, yeah. I think the through line through everything he does is that he very clearly loves movies. Loves he loves making movies. Loves making movies. Loves what, you know, what the topic of it, if it's Lord of the Rings, he went all in, you know, mm-hmm. if it's Get Back in the Beatles, he went all in, like no stone unturned. I'm sure he went through all of the footage and listened to every second of audio and synthesized it down to six hours or whatever it was, you know, to tell a story. Of, of, but from from the perspective of someone who's clearly like passionate and and from dead alive, I was just that was one of those things. It was literally like saying to myself, I would never thought a movie could be this way. I thought I knew what movies could be. I thought I could even predict what the range of things you might be able to do you know in terms of storytelling or even twists and things like that but visually you know comedically and production wise like that was part of it for me i really love the idea that in some of the scenes you could see the stitches and the duct tape like mm-hmm. some of the scenes not all of them like the baby yeah. for instance the baby that runs in the- <laughs> you're kind of like that's not a baby but it you know you're supposed to think it's a baby and it's like okay cool it's a baby and you kind of go with it and it, and you kind of enjoy that aspect of the zombie baby like running around off into- <laughs> or or the moment where i think it's near the end i think lionel's like up in the rafters in the attic or something and there's there's like some lungs and maybe like i don't know right. small intestine right. but it was like a puppet like climbing after right. him like, right and i'm just watching it going you know nowadays like i guess it could have been done in cg and really like slick or you know he probably even has access to do it like oh and make it look like photorealistic medical journal level yeah (laughs) you know entrails chasing you in zombie form but the fact that it looked like oh that looks like two oven mitts maybe that were painted and there's like somebody in there just like operating this made it funnier to me you know Mm -hmm. it just had the right balance of of uh (laughs) how did they do that with oh i see how they did that and that's pretty clever or that's so ridiculous that i'm i'm enjoying it just for the 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 gall of (laughs) 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 there's somebody operating a puppet like double lung puppet that's like you know slowly crawling towards its prey or something right (laughs) what am i watching yeah yeah and there are those things like you know having those body parts suddenly come to life and start walking around but that doesn't happen with any other zombie and it's like yeah that you know you can't think too much about like the rules of what should happen because it doesn't right. need to make sense. It's just like, yeah. you just got to go with it. Um, but what you were yeah. saying as well about like the photorealistic idea, and I think horror has progressively become more, you know, focused mm-hmm. on that lane. Yeah. It would make it so that it's not as funny anymore because you're like yeah. dealing with something that's like too close to reality. Yeah. It feels like gross yeah. in an upsetting way instead of funny. Right, um, right. And, you know, it's a balance because like there have been some horror comedies that have really gross stuff that are still really hilarious. Yes, yes. But that's what I'm saying. I think the craft of that, that's why when I heard this quote, again, don't quote me, but when I heard this myth that he was driving around and the butchers were just giving him like off cuts and he was just collecting everything for the possibly that final scene. <laughs> I was I was just like, oh, well, of course he did that, you know, because some of that stuff looked like really, really real. Mm-hmm. And I know, you know, just from a production standpoint to make like, you know, fake <laughs> so then it was like what how what happened here like this is just so bizarre you know 
Yeah. But the, the, the parts I enjoy most is like, I, I think just getting back to that, like the puppets or the stop motion stuff, you know, like later on he did meet the feebles. So he obviously mm-hmm. has like some connection to that world also, or, or, you know, obviously all the effects and VFX in the future films, sorry, the films that, that followed, like, you can see, well, at Dead Alive, well, he could do this stop motion rat monkey, you know, at the time. That's <laughs> what, it was the way they could do it because, I don't know, didn't have access to another way to do it. But it was enough and it was actually oddly more entertaining and intriguing when I first saw it. I was just like, what is <laughs> It's animated. It's, in, it's going. <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? The sound effects, the sound design. Oh, wow incredible yeah it's just like you're smiling the whole time (laughs) that's rare you know very rare yeah yeah and the funny thing is that that was the biggest budget he'd ever worked with up until that point like i don't know if you've seen bad do you know the budget i don't even know anything three million dollars i think which is nothing you know by for a film with that much stuff going on in it and visually Mm -hmm. happening like wow that is quite a feat yeah yeah that's what i mean you could tell at the end of the day it was just like people you know having a good time working together to to do some stuff i have i actually have a funny story i was playing in new zealand once and uh i was the like the promoter was asked you know just like drive me around and oh and then then this is some we shot some of lord of the rings around here or something and i said oh were you in lord of the rings he's like yeah oh is that cool a lot of people working on that here and he said, oh, you should ask tonight, you know, at the show. <laughs> so I, I'm like DJing. It's like a sold out club, like in off or wherever, one of the cities there. And I said, I said, um, so how many people, how many people here were um, in, in Lord of the Rings or an extra? And literally everybody in the whole dance floor, including the bartenders and the security were like, yeah, we were in that. Like, he just uh, brought everybody in. It's like, I'm playing to like a dance floor full of orcs right now. Right? Yeah. It's like pretty epic, you know, that, that I don't know. I get that sense of like, I don't, whatever's happening down there, maybe the population's small enough that the community yeah. comes together. Like, we got to make this zombie movie right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because it's just like, I can't even imagine, you know. And I like to do ambitious projects, but that film to me still is just like, I have no idea how. how him and his crew pulled it off incredible yeah Yeah. and you know in addition to the number of like effects for the bloody disgusting bits like yeah he used miniatures for all some of the stuff with just showing the town you know streets and and that kind of stuff so yeah um tons of detail tons of moving parts to fit together and in a way that those bookends like having that structure where it's it's uh you know having this story in mind and having to like beg borrow and steal to make sure that you can have your vision fulfilled and then the Beatles doc it's like almost the reverse where he's got like a wealth of information he's got all of this footage that he has to kind of troll through and find uh, a narrative that he can build there and it's kind of like Mm -hmm. you said it's like a collage you know fitting bits of audio with bits of video so that it all connects yeah yeah which I can relate to obviously just from from the idea of like scratch DJing was kind of like that you know, you find the parts and you try to layer them and stack them and put them in at the right time so that if people 
follow you along in this little audio journey. You know what I mean? You, you are trying to tell some story at some point, you know. But for sure, I was watching when I heard that that's what he, that he was working on to get back or that he directed. I was like, oh, I definitely have to see this now. Mm-hmm. You know? Just because of Dead Alive. It's like, I wasn't expecting yeah, him to make yeah. the Dead Alive of Beatles or anything. <laughs> but I was like, I just want to see what his approach would be. And it was done with such care and such, yeah, like passion for obviously he's a fan of the band also. And I think, mm-hmm. um, but he also wanted to show some of the, struggles they were having maybe at the time and, and and also just bring you there i didn't that was a delight to watch yeah yeah i guess my only yeah. complaint is where was the rat monkey in the movie? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. where is the rat monkey i want to see the rat monkey for sure yeah uh, if that was in a museum somewhere yeah Time for a quick break, because somebody's got to keep the lights on around here. But we'll be right back. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, everybody. It's Barry from the What Podcast. Hey, it's Russ. Hey, it's Brian. And we are giving away two tickets to Bonnaroo 2024. These are GA+, and they include camping. Russ. How do people get qualified? We want to hear your top artists to play on the Bonnaroo 2024 lineup. Call 423-667-7877 and tell us who we should check out. It's the What Podcast. Thanks. Um, I, I need to come back to the baby because I cannot, I cannot cope with that baby. I can't deal with it. So first the scene of all, was so much longer than most directors would have let it run. And I think that in and of itself shows this amazing sense of humor. Yeah. That, that he has. And, yeah. And, uh, Dedication that, to the bit. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess because, you know, maybe they weren't concerned with like it getting syndicated or having to fit with a certain like time block you know mm-hmm. commercials and stuff. he's like no 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 just keep <laughs> keep this bit going until it just gets funnier and funnier <laughs> the longer it goes i'm just like what is happening right now it's, it's that's what i mean it just seemed free like yeah. you know there were rules and then there's like tropes and there's playing off the tropes but then there's also those things where it didn't seem like it mattered they just went for the 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 big impact of like you said in that scene let's just let it run really long so it just gets Mm. stupid funny and and i love that about that film that seems to stretch time when it needs to you know Mm -hmm. for for humor (laughs) yeah yeah. And just the idea of like having two zombies have sex and have a baby within the space of like 20 minutes. <laughs> going and then the, like the lead takes the baby to the park in like yeah. a stroller. And yeah. then the baby's it's like kind of uh slapstick, like the baby's yeah. chasing after people and going. <laughs> um, yeah. There's also parts where, 
there's like an actor with a baby head on and you can just see that it's like a person <laughs> running around. There's a thing in, um, I don't know if you've ever seen Bride of Chucky. I'm not, you know, cin- cinematic classic uh, that okay. it is. Um, it's, it is another totally mm-hmm. fucking ridiculous movie. Not as, not as ridiculous as this, but there's a scene where Chucky and his bride fall into a grave and they're running around and it's the same deal where it's like, yeah, grown adults wearing yeah, yeah, like Chucky outfits. Yeah, like <laughs> um, ridiculous, absolutely yeah. ridiculous. It definitely is one of those films you feel like your brain's growing new synapses because it doesn't really have anything for it to link to that you witnessed before. Or so that's what I mean. It's just one of those those films that really just changed forever what I thought was possible in a film, but also just in not just in that range, but just in art in general. Like, mm-hmm. so I think that, you know, raised on a, on a steady diet of that, raised on a steady diet of The Muppet Show or Monty Python or the, at, that was the, you know, at the time when I was growing up, those type of things I was watching was just like, oh, okay. So this is an album? <laughs> you know <laughs> what I mean? Like, <laughs> oh, you know, it's not just 10 songs that are like tailor cut for, for radio plays. Like they could literally go all over the place and, enjoy the universe that they're in you know and i think yeah when it comes to film yeah i would say dead alive is absolutely up there with a part of my heritage in terms <laughs> of like creative dna just understanding like wow it's just so so fun and epic and yeah free yeah yeah and just really shows you that you don't have to create boundaries for yourself. You can just do it. Like mm-hmm. if you want to do, I mean, I guess, you know, budget constraints and whatever, there yeah, are yeah. gatekeepers, but theoretically you can do whatever you want. Your imagination can run wild and that you can do that thing of like topping yourself and continuing to push yourself and compete yeah. with yourself to do whatever crazy, creative, ridiculous things that you want to do and people yeah. will eat it up. It, the, the commitment shows and it's the love that he has for what he's producing that just shines through and it's yes. it's infectious. Absolutely. Absolutely. Even in the denouement, I actually don't know how, you know, the roof, the rooftop scene with like the <laughs> come to mother or whatever. It's like, how? Like, I don't totally. even know. You, you have to, how big is that whole, you know, contraption? I have no idea. I think I, I think I know, you know, it's all of it. Like if, if you were to tell me, oh, yeah, we did that and it was forced perspective. And then I was like, oh, that's, that's a brilliant way to get around that. But the feeling of it was that I was literally like, did they build this whole thing? That's crazy. You know? Yeah. And just the change in what the mother looks like from the beginning mm-hmm. to the end yeah. when she's like this 12 foot tall, <laughs> boobalicious rat monster. Yeah. Like unbelievable and totally like, you you don't need to be able to connect the different phases of what she looks like. It's like yeah, yeah. just it gets You're more there. and more amazing. It's like, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm like, of course, right? <laughs> yeah. If I ever get a chance to meet Peter Jackson, I'd just probably have um, <laughs> the whole conversation would just be about dead alive. So many questions, <laughs> <laughs> so many questions. But yeah, sometimes that's the fun of it. Just like. Let it let, let it live there in my imagination. Like I don't know, it's just some magic that that crew in New Zealand <laughs> decided to make that. <laughs> and the actors too. I mean, come on, they are incredible. Totally just incredible character actors, all of them. Everything. I don't know. Camera yeah. moves. The, everything. Yeah, and all of those actors committing to all of this crazy shit and acting like yes. it's you know these things are real. 
Yes. Um, yeah. Amazing. Yes. I want to, I want to watch the, where are they now of all, <laughs> yeah. even the extras in the, like, yeah. What you yeah, yeah. you remember that time that summer? Yeah. And Peter Jackson has in interviews said that he hopes to get back to disgusting stuff someday. So there is, is that right? A glimmer of hope somewhere. I mean, I don't know oh, where he's yeah. going to fit that into his schedule, you know, yeah. after the next Tintin movie or whatever he's working on some right. you know, giant right. budget thing. Um, but that'd be really cool. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just glad this exists. I, I understand what it's like, you know, at, at mm-hmm. certain different points of your life, you gotta, you gotta work on the stuff that, that resonates with you the most, you know? Yeah. I'm glad that he committed to that at that point mm-hmm. in his career because yeah. like we get to enjoy it still, like you said, 30 years later and still be like blown away by the magnitude of what was Seriously. created there. It's like, oh my God. I'm still sharing it with people. Yeah. If you haven't heard of this movie, sit down. Let's go. I'll make the popcorn. We're going. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's uh it's it's a pretty special thing, uh, quite a feat to be able to make something that you know, sticks with people and really stands the test of time. So yeah. Congratulations to our friend Peter. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I think that is a lovely place to stop. This has been so much fun. Uh, uh, I love for doing it. Yeah, I love conversations like this that are just like a blast. Um so yeah. I really appreciate you making time for me. This has been Of course. Been no, wonderful. Thanks for doing the piece. Yeah. And one day, you know, one day if you meet him, you tell him yeah. like whatever, I will take the three of us out to dinner and we'll just like chop it up. <laughs> go yes. through scene by scene. Not that he wants to go back to that necessarily, but <laughs> yeah, there's definitely like a, a master class level or some, you know, if there was a graduate film school course, like I would go back to school to just like take that course just to learn mm-hmm. about like how they made that movie. It's un- unreal. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you very much again. This has been amazing. Uh, Thanks for having me. Yeah, take care. All right, take care. Bye. That was fucking amazing. Thank you again to Kid Koala for chatting with me. His new album, Creatures of the Late Afternoon, is out now. So check it out. Okay, so you've heard about his spark. But what's got my creative juices flowing this week, you say? Well, thank you so much for asking. My spark of the week is the new Little Dragon EP, Slugs of Love. I'm a big Little Dragon fan anyway, but the new music is very light and peppy, almost kind of new wavy in parts. It's like springtime for your ears, and it's only four songs long, so not a huge investment. Sounds perfect, right? Okay, that is about it for this week. Please follow me on social media at SparkParade. If you are new to the show, good news. There are more than 160 episodes in the back catalog. So, you know, make your way through all of them before the next new episode comes out on Wednesday. You can do it. I believe in you. And other than that, take care of yourself. Have fun. Be careful. And until next time. Bye. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. 
that crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, everybody. It's Barry from the What Podcast. Hey, it's Russ. Hey, it's Brian. And we are giving away two tickets to Bonnaroo 2024. These are GA+, and they include camping. Russ, how do people get qualified? We want to hear your top artists to play on the Bonnaroo 2024 lineup. Call 423-667-7877 and tell us who we should check out. It's the What Podcast. Thanks. Hey, everybody. It's Barry from the What Podcast. Hey, it's Russ. Hey, it's Brian. And we are giving away two tickets to Bonnaroo 2024. These are GA+, and they include camping. Russ, how do people get qualified? We want to hear your top artists to play on the Bonnaroo 2024 lineup. Call 423-667-7877 and tell us who we should check out. It's the What Podcast. Thanks.